The Gospel of John provides three stories that all come after the resurrection of Jesus. And in their own way, these stories help answer the question of what's next. What does the resurrection mean for our lives today? In the first week of this series, Pastor Rod talked about Thomas. And and what we learned was that Thomas tells us that the first thing we need to have is faith in the risen Jesus. Now, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus first appeared to his disciples, but a week later, he's able to see Jesus. And it is Thomas who shows us what real faith looks like. Real faith loves God so completely that we are willing to take risks and even lay down our lives for Jesus and the work of Christ in our world today. Real faith is always wanting to learn more about God. And real faith lets go of sin Let's go of doubt so that we can believe in Jesus fully and experience the life that God has for us. Last week, we learned from the disciples going back to fish that the risen Jesus calls us back to the core of our faith. We need to worship together. We have to take time each and every day, but each and every week to worship. It is in the presence of God that we have or that we are given the courage and the confidence to take that next step of faith. And it is in the presence of God that we can receive the love and receive that grace that can bring healing or hope or the assurance that we are loved by the all-loving God. We also learn that we need to confess our insufficiency and acknowledge how much we need God. Then we're to obey what we already know of God and run as fast as we can to Jesus. When I was thinking about this, and we see that Jesus was saying to Peter that he loved him, we know that we have to take advantage of all of our resources that God gives us to strengthen our faith. Today, John finishes the story by telling us that we need to follow the risen Jesus. In John 21, 15 through 19, we read these words. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, Then he repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said, the third time he asked him, Simon, son of God, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked this question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you want to go. Jesus said these things. Jesus said to let them know by what kind of death he would be glorifying God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. 
Now, John ends his story. John ends his story with a call for Peter to follow him. And in some ways, that call to follow him is the same call that we are given today as followers of Christ. Follow me. John doesn't tell us to follow Jesus as he teaches us, but he teaches us what it means to follow him. And I think the two important things to learn about following Jesus from this story of Peter and Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee, number one is that we need to see here that Peter is being forgiven. When Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Jesus is giving Peter three opportunities to seek forgiveness. Now, if you think about the three opportunities that was given here, it can take you back just over a couple years before, three years before, back to the night that Jesus was arrested. Peter denied that he knew Jesus three times. Three times Peter had failed to love Jesus. And so here we find Jesus giving Peter three opportunities to reaffirm his love of Christ. And Peter needs this to make amends and set things right in his own heart and life. Because this time with Jesus gave Peter a chance to say to the Lord, you know that I love you. And it shows that Peter really truly loved Jesus and ultimately was forgiven by him. Now, in his book, The Life You Always Wanted by John Ortberg, the senior pastor at Menlo Church in Menlo, Menlo Park, California, he tells a story of how he and his wife once... Uh, traded in their old Volkswagen Super Beetle for their first piece of new furniture. It was a mauve couch. The man at the furniture warned them not to get it when he found out that they had small children. He told them that they don't want a mauve sofa. He advised them to get something the color of dirt. But with the naive optimism of young parenthood, they said, we know how to handle our kids. Give us the mauve sofa. Now, it was like the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden, this mauve sofa. On every other chair in the house, you may sit freely. But upon this sofa, the mauve sofa, you may not sit for in the day you sit there upon, you shall surely die. And just like in Scripture, then came the fall. One day, there appeared on the mauve sofa a red stain. It was a red jelly stain. So John's wife, who had chosen this mauve sofa, who loved the mauve sofa, who adored the mauve sofa, lined up her three children in front of her, Laura, age four, Mallory, two and a half, and Johnny, six months. And she asked, do you see that, children? That is a stain. It's a red stain, a red jelly stain. The man at the sofa store says it's not coming out, not forever. Do you know how long forever is, children? That's how long you're going to stand here until one of you tells me who put the stain on my mauve sofa. Mallory was the first to break. With trembling lips and tear-filled eyes, she said, Laura did it. Laura passionately denied it. Then there was silence for the longest time, and no one said a word. Now, John Orberg uh, knew that they wouldn't, for they had never seen their mother so upset. He knew that they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't because they knew that if they did, they would spend eternity in the timeout chair. 
He knew that they wouldn't because he was the one who put the red jelly stain on the sofa and he wasn't going to say a word. <laughs> See, he, he, the truth of this, guys, is, is that we have all stained a sofa in our lives. We've all kind of offended God, but God has offered us forgiveness. But the thing that I find is that many of us struggle to feel that forgiveness. This experience of forgiveness is something that we all need if we're going to follow Jesus. That moment when you realize that God loves you no matter what. See, following Jesus doesn't mean that we, that we affirm his teaching and try to faithfully live out our lives. It doesn't mean that we follow the Ten Commandments or that we live out that greatest commandment, which is to love God and to love others. Following Jesus means loving Jesus, and part of loving Jesus is, means asking him to forgive us when we fail and when we turn away. See, we all fall. The Apostle Paul states to us in Romans that we all fall short. And so we all need to be forgiven. I grew up in church. When my parents divorced, my grandmother always made sure we went to church each and every week. Every week. I went to Sunday school, I went to youth group, and I knew some things about God. I knew who Jesus was. I honestly thought I was a pretty good person. But it wasn't until my late 20s before I finally began to realize the depth of my own sin and failures. And I had to confess that I was not living the best relationship with God that I could at all times, and I needed a great more deal of the Holy Spirit in my life to guide me. I had to own up for my mistakes, confess my sin, and begin to come to the place in my own life and in my own heart where I was willing to put God first and really love him. And that's the question for us today, right? That same question that Jesus asked Peter, that's the question for all of us. Do we love God? Do we love Jesus? How would you answer that truthfully today? Think about it. Do you love God more than anything else? Do you love God more than you love yourself? Are we expressing that love to God in new and fresh ways every day? I think the story of, of Peter and Jesus shows us that there is a forgiveness that God offers. And when we accept that, God's love brings hope and new life. But this is just the beginning because once Peter has expressed his love to Jesus and he's been forgiven, Jesus says, feed my lambs. So stepping into forgiveness and the love of God opened a door for Peter, a new life that he was called to live. Feeding others is now part of what it means for Peter to follow Jesus. And while physically feeding those who, who are hungry is important, Jesus is not talking here about supplying people with bread and fish. Jesus is talking about extending to people God's love and God's grace. Tending the sheep is a lifestyle marked by leading and guiding others to God so that they can find for themselves the power of God's grace and his love. By calling Peter to feed the lambs and to tend the sheep, Jesus is saying that all who follow him are now his shepherds. We are not the good shepherd, that's Jesus' job, but as followers of Jesus, we are called to be shepherds. 
The shepherd has many jobs, and one of them is to seek and save the lost sheep. When sheep wander away, the shepherd is the one who goes and looks for them and guides them back to the safety of the green pasture that they're feeding in. Jesus even reminds us in Matthew 18, 12 of the story that he told. He asked this question, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go in search of the one that is lost? See, so part of what it means for us to follow Jesus is going out to seek and save these lost sheep. And we do this by going to those who are hurting, those who are lost, those who are alone, and bringing them back to God. We lift them on our shoulders. We carry them back to God so that they can be forgiven, so that they can be healed, so that they can be restored, and that they can be loved. We bring people to God so they can find a new life. One thing that I need you to understand is that this is not a new call for Peter. It's really a reaffirmation of his first original call, right? Think about it. Three years earlier along the same shores of Galilee, Jesus called to Peter to follow him. Then Peter had told, he told, uh, Jesus told Peter to drop his nets and become someone who would fish for men and women. And Jesus was calling Peter to a life where he would bring people into a relationship with the living God. For Peter, following Jesus was never just about his own personal life. It always included the lives of others. Jesus came here to call people to follow God. So anyone who follows Jesus has to be part of that same mission and that same purpose. That same thought of reaching others and drawing them close to God. I think that's the mission statement here at Redeemer Church, right? Connecting people with the love of Jesus, the love and life of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's right on the doors as you walk in. I think connecting people with the love and life of Jesus Christ is a great start for us today. Peter was to call people to follow Jesus, and here Jesus reaffirms that call, that invitation to feed and to tend the people of God means bringing people who are far from God close to him. And like I said before, that's where we need to start. To follow Jesus means that we also need to help others come close to the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Living out our faith is not just something we do personally and privately. It's a life. It's a lifestyle that invites others to come to know God as well. So the question for us is how are we showing Christ through our actions that we do every second, every minute, every hour, and every day? Jesus spent his life calling people to himself and, and through him to experience the fullness of God. Jesus invited people to walk with him and experience God's love that could change their lives. And if we're going to follow Jesus, if that's what we think and want to do, if we are going to be a disciple, then it is in our lives that we have to do the same thing. Friends, we may all not be teachers or preachers or miracle workers, but our lives need to be an invitation for people to come closer to God. When I was, when I was starting to become more of a Christian, I started listening to Christian music, and, and the Christian band Third Day uh, penned a lyric. Mac Powell wrote this, uh, this song called Follow Me There. These are the lyrics. You need a place where you can find some shelter, follow me there. 
You want a hand to hold someone to help you? Follow me there. Where love like a river flows, peace like you've never known, and joy never ending lives, a place where faith can find hope that will never die, follow me there. You need a place to be your sanctuary. Follow me there. Where you can lay down all those burdens you carry. Follow me there. Come on. Follow me there. We have to lead them closer to Christ. Jesus was a disciple maker. And so if we're going to follow Jesus, friends, we cannot just be a disciple. We have to be disciple makers. We have to be those fishers of men and women and a shepherd of all God's sheep. Through the years, we have made our faith such a private and personal thing that we have just lost this vision of what it means for us to invite others to come to Jesus. That old saying that we, we were not to talk about religion or politics, well, today's world, politics are wide open for people to discuss, share publicly and passionately, but we are still reluctant to do that with religion. We are told to keep our faith to ourselves. We hear about people being persecuted more and more for making their faith public. Whether it's in school or at work or in the media, we are now really criticized when we encourage or invite others to check out what we believe and who we trust. Students from elementary school through college are questioned about their faith, what they believe, and for reading their Bibles before or after classes. Kids come into the classroom that I use on Tuesday morning at the high school for Bible study, and if they're not in a regular attender, they will just as soon quickly turn out and walk out when they hear the name Jesus or Bible. We have grown leery of asking people if we can pray for them because it might be considered a microaggression and contribute to a hostile workplace. We are afraid to let people know that we follow Jesus. But can we be a follower of Jesus if we aren't willing to invite others to follow him? If we aren't willing to connect people with his love and his life, we ha then, then how are we going to help them to follow him? I think in many ways, this scene of Jesus and Peter walking along the shore begins to answer the question the disciples have been asking. What Peter and the disciples are to do now is to go and continue the work of Jesus. What they're to do is they are to be the fishermen gathering people to God. They need to be the people, the shepherds that are leading people to the good shepherd. They need to be the ones that care for the sheep. They are to feed God's people by giving them all that they need for a life of faith. And they are to tend to the flock, the church, the people of God, bringing them closer to the Christ and friends to quote a great theologian, Elwood Blues, we're on a mission from God. And we need to do whatever we can to lead people to him. The disciples' mission is also our mission. The resurrection of Jesus means the same thing for us today that it did for disciples 2,000 years ago. We are to follow Jesus and that means being a fisher of men and women, and it means being the shepherd of God's people. Following Jesus means that we strive to live a life 
that looks more and more like the life of Jesus and a life that invites the lost and alone, the broken, the sinful to come and experience the grace, forgiveness, and love of God that is ours. So my question is, what's next for us? I think if I'm answering that, I've got three things we need to do. First, follow Jesus. Second, I think we need to share Jesus. And third, I think we need to bring others to Jesus. Simple, share, follow, share, and bring. And if we begin with these simple three steps, I think we're going to start moving in the right direction. And it will lead to an amazing opportunity to be a disciple that fishes for people, someone who brings people closer to Christ. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? The question is, are you ready to have someone follow you in the example that you live as a follower of Christ? What's next?